Mosaic believes that the church is designed to be a genuine community of people, creating a safe space of belonging for all, seeking to serve our neighbors with the compassion of God, providing opportunities to learn to be more like Jesus, and living life well together. This can't happen in a one-hour time slot on Sunday mornings, yet we desire to be a worshiping, missional community in Clayton, North Carolina. Visit MosaicClayton.com or find us on Facebook, Mosaic Church of Clayton. It's good to be here and worship with you all. As you've noticed, there are a few guests. Most of them are collected over here. Um, it is, well, in June, it was my grandfather's 80th birthday. And after church, we're going straight to Holly Springs. And lunch starts at noon for the celebration. So we're going to have to jump out real fast. We can't help much with breakdown. But make sure before we leave to embarrass him a little bit. And um, tell him happy birthday. And that he might be a little old, you know, things like that. He's the one in this plaid shirt, looking good, so I just had to call him out. Our scripture this morning comes from Mark chapter 4, it's a common story, one that you've probably heard, um, and it's Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. It should be on the screen for you to follow along if you would like to, but hear these words. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, that's Jesus, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took, with, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up, and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Let's pray. God, as we worship, and we hear these words, our prayer is that there's less of us and more of you. Amen. In all honesty, the inspiration for this sermon came from a rather weird place. It came from an advertisement, one on Facebook. You know the advertisements where they like make them specialized just for you? It's scary how accurate they are. It's one thing where you like search on Amazon for something and then the next day it pops up on your Facebook feed as a sponsored post. But it gets even weirder when you're talking with a friend saying you really need a vacation or you just want to go to the mountains. Maybe go to Boone and see what's going on there. Um, but then the next day this perfect ad pops up on Facebook and it's like vacations to Boone look at this beautiful place and it's like how are you listening you know like it's it's like this perfect thing it's it's kind of creepy but there's this picture of a shirt that is for sale that keeps popping up on my Facebook feed 
and I want to buy it every single time. It says, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. And I think it's awesome. One, because I absolutely love sleep. I'd sleep like nine and a half hours every night, and I still want to take a nap in the afternoon. And then I kind of love Jesus too. So it's like Facebook decided to put them together and come up with the most perfect, perfect shirt ever. So this came up at least four times in the past year. And a couple weeks ago, it came up again. So I decided that I was going to click on it and possibly buy it. I ended up not buying it because I got sidetracked, but I clicked on it and finally saw the passage underneath, and it says Mark 4:38, one of the verses we just read. So I decided that I was going to go look and just, you know, make sure that the passage was right, make sure it was real before I bought the shirt. And it ends up that, yes, Jesus was just napping on a boat, so I decided that I would wait like a week and possibly buy it. I like to do this thing so I don't make impulse purchases. But I'll like wait a week and think about it and if I still want it, then I'll actually buy it. Um, but for some reason, the scripture and the whole passage stuck with me. And so I decided that we could look at it together this morning. It's one of those stories that it's very well known. If you grew up in church, you likely heard it a lot as a kid because it's a miracle story. It's a story that, as children especially, it captures our imagination. If you didn't grow up in church, just know that this story was told often and it kind of often was used to signify the power and the divinity of Jesus. And there's also about a bazillion pictorial renditions of this scene of this story as well. One is up here. Go back one. So, man, that's really dark. You can't see it very well, but in the bottom in the middle, there's this man lying down. That's Jesus sleeping on the boat. So I just wanted to point out that I like this one because Jesus is napping, and that's a good thing. And then the next one is what most of the pictures look like, and it's Jesus, like, standing up, arms out, like, all powerful, and saying, like, calm down, wind, relax. And then my favorite one is this next one. I just, I think it's hilarious because it's like Cyclops Jesus. And Cyclops White Jesus, not like Middle Eastern what Jesus probably looked like, but Cyclops White Jesus. And he's like, all like powerful with one eye, but two pupils. It's really interesting. And then over here, their smiles just crack me up and they're like, oh, man, this guy's sweet. So anyways, this was just to show that this is a very well-known story, and I just found this picture funny enough that I had to share. The background, uh, the background of the story is that um, semi-recently in Mark, Jesus had appointed the 12 disciples, and they're in Capernaum and the surrounding areas, teaching and preaching, and that's just off the edge of the Sea of Galilee. I believe we have a map of it. So you'll see in the top, kind of left side, Capernaum there. So they're in that area, teaching around that area, teaching, preaching, healing, doing the things that Jesus did. Um, and I was reminded when I was looking at this that a little over a year ago, in May of 2017, that's last year, yeah, in May of 2017, I had the wonderful opportunity to go to Israel, 
and we also went to Jordan for a short trip while we were there. And um, it was with Campbell, so it counted as a class, but also just as an awesome experience. It was called the Bible Land Study Tour. And we went to, it was about a 12-day trip, and we went to every single biblical site that you could squeeze into 12 days. We were up at like 6 a.m. every day and got back late and always on the move, always in this bus, always out and about. But it was really... It was really awesome. And we stayed at this one place called Naf Ginnasar, which was sweet, good accommodations, great food. Like, they had this buffet, and this is just one section of the buffet. They had, like, four of these lines of enormous amount of food, all you can eat. Breakfast was the same. It was wonderful. But the best part of the accommodations is that it was right off the Sea of Galilee. We could walk within a minute from that main building to the Sea of Galilee that you'll see here. And this picture is a picture of one morning. I remember we got up really early and as late as we possibly could to get onto the bus. So we got as much sleep as we could. But one morning, me and a couple friends decided that we would wake up for the sunrise because we were told it rose just, just above the edge of the water straight across and it was one of the most beautiful sights you'd ever see. And so we finally convinced ourselves that we'd wake up early one day and we would go see the sunrise. So we went and we sat there before the sun had started rising and I have pictures of from when it was darker to the sun just above the edge to above to this and it it was the most peaceful thing I've ever seen in my life and we had been there just a few days and it was in that moment that the trip started to actually hit me um, it was it was this realization that like this is real. You know, this is this was the place that Jesus was. Uh, Jesus was on these very waters, along these shores. Jesus was here, and I'm sitting here experiencing it. And it all just hit me. It was one of the most spirit-filled moments that I've ever ever had. And it's one that I can't really explain that you might not be able to quite connect with. But I have this picture in my brain of the Sea of Galilee being the most peaceful place on earth. But, as we just read, it wasn't a peaceful time for the disciples this trip. It was far from it. It was, it was, a, it was somewhere where they experienced more fear than they did peace, at least until the end of it. The story is more about fear and control than it is about peace. It might not be obvious from the story, but the very first words of Jesus here, saying, let us go across to his disciples, probably initiated fear within them. They were going from this place that they knew, a place that was their home, a place, a Jewish land, a place that they felt comfortable a place where they fit in, where their religion was the same. And Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. A place that they didn't know, or didn't know as well. A place that their religious beliefs may not be the exact same. A place, a place where they couldn't control everything that was going on. 
So in this time, as you'll see the picture of the map again, we don't know exactly where they went, but the quickest way to get to one side of the Sea of Galilee to other, they didn't have cars obviously, was to go across the water. So they decided that they would take the quickest way, go across the water, get onto the water, and these are experienced fishermen. So it shouldn't have been a problem. They're used to these waters, they've been here, they've fished here, they know what's going on, but this time was a little bit different. And they were going across to the other side. They weren't just going onto the water to get fish. So there's that backdrop of fear. Let that play in your head as we continue to talk. Because they get on this water, likely already a little bit scared. They're going across. Jesus is just napping. And this terrible storm whips up. It's a windstorm that we're told just crashes against the boat. is throwing water into it. And it's to the point where they think they're going to die. It's to the point where they accuse Jesus of not caring about them. They say, Jesus, do you not care? We're perishing. We're going to die, and you're just, you're just napping. It's very accusatory. And part of me wishes, I like to imagine things in the gospel stories especially of how people react, and I always want to imagine Jesus being like, waking up, you know how you wake from a nap, and you're angry, just because that's the norm, especially if somebody else, is, somebody else wakes you up. But I imagine Jesus like waking up and being like, bros, like, relax. Like, come on. Like, you're fine. It's just some waves. It's fine. And then just calming the storm. And then just going about his business, like whatever. I just like to imagine it like that. But we can kind of feel for the disciples. They're experienced fishermen, like we said. And they're fearing for their life. This, they're going across the sea to this new land, kind of this first place where they're bringing this gospel that Jesus has to new people, and they think they're going to die on this like very first big act. I don't really blame them for freaking out. And then Jesus wakes up and does something amazing. He calms the storm, and I imagine them having this like jaw-drop reaction of like, what is going on? Some of you may be too old for Johnny Bravo, and some of you may be too young, but like this is the reaction I imagine them having. I don't have it? Yeah. Alright, well this is like hilarious animated like picture of this like Johnny Bravo's jaw like from here all the way to the floor. You can just look it up when you get home. It's a good picture. But I imagine them being like super astonished. And the reason is because to them, control of the elements, control of water and wind and things like that, that amount of control to them, only, only something divine could do that. Only something completely divine. No human or whatever else could control that, but something specifically divine. We see it in Psalms, and many Psalms um, that's in there. We see it in the story of the Great Flood, reflects that ideology. Um, and the ancients believed this weird um, connection between chaos and water. And it was this connection that, to them, before creation, before 
earth to them. That's all they knew. And they believed earth was kind of like this, this flat something and then a dome. Um, they obviously didn't have the technology and things that we have. But that's how they imagined earth and creation. But before there was this dome and order to creation, there was chaos. And chaos and water to them were kind of one in the same. They imagined before this dome that there was just this formless something, water something, that we don't really know how to explain. But essentially, God took this water chaos and made order out of it, collected the water in places, and so there was land in other places, and then you have creation. That's how some of them believes creation was. So there's this crazy strong connection between water and wind elements and God, the divine, this all-powerful, all-encompassing being thing. So the fact that Jesus could simply say, stop, would have absolutely astounded them. It's why we read when they said, who is this that even the wind and the sea will obey? It really reflects the power and divinity of Jesus. But even after they saw this, we read that they were in awe. In many translations, awe is translated as fear. Obviously, that's a very different fear than them fearing that they're going to die. But nonetheless, it's fear indeed. So there's this backdrop of fear at the beginning of going to a new place. There's this fear of basically thinking they're going to die in the end. And then at the end of the story, there's this fear of the power of Jesus that they just witnessed. So fear is the common thread throughout the entire story. So the question is, what are they afraid of? Why are they afraid? What's, what's there to lose? And I think the answer is control. They didn't know the land that they were going to. They couldn't control the people there, how the people would react to them, whether they would be accepted, what, what type of interactions they would have. They couldn't control the sea or the wind. And now they can't control Jesus. They see the amount of power and divinity that Jesus has here. And they can't control that. They see that Jesus is, well, Jesus. They kind of started to realize it. I don't really know if they wanted Jesus to be Jesus here. Part of me thinks they just wanted to be safe. They were scared. And they just wanted to be safe again. They wanted to be comfortable. And that's not bad. I think we all want to be safe and comfortable. But it's when we let that desire for safe, for safety and for comfort, when that dictates our lives, when that fear and the desire to control all of those things dictates our life, that we limit Jesus. We limit the Christ-likeness that is already in us. 
when we let fear control us and the desire to control everything that's going on, we put our comforts first. I would say we often don't even get in the boat in the first place. That we stay on the edge of the shore in the land that we know, the people we know, the comforts and the life that we've grown accustomed to. That's the life that we want. That's the life we desire. And that's because we know that life. It's because it's not new. It's because we know that, that we are where we are and we feel a sense of control with that. We can control our environment, the things that are going on. But in doing so, we can find, we can find Jesus into this box. Into this box of what's comfortable for us. We want Jesus to be Jesus up until the point that it makes us uncomfortable. Up until the point that it challenges us to grow. Up until the point that we have to make a tough decision or do something that is outside of the norm or outside of our comforts. For me, this looks like peace. So I think we mask this this desire with words and things, um, whether it's comfort, whether it's peace. We just want an, we want our best life. But sometimes our best life isn't actually our best life. It's it's our easiest life. So I think we smokescreen it with these words that are good and meaningful. For me, it's that I desire peace above basically all things. That I want things to be in harmony. I want everybody to get along. I want things to be good and meaningful. And that's a gift. That's a gift that I need to embrace, to offer peace to people, to make peace in situations that aren't often peaceful. But the problem comes when I value that peace over actually having tough conversations. I put this false sense of peace, not actual peace, in front. And that could be tough conversations, conflict of any kind, I'd have the natural tendency to just avoid, even though I know I'm called, that when I have a problem with a brother or a sister, that I'm supposed to go to them and talk it out that we're supposed to work it out. But my desire for peace is to avoid that because I think it might affect our relationship and it might hurt something long term. And I let that overtake the call of Christ. I let that overtake how I'm actually supposed to be in relationship with people. Whatever that, whatever that smokescreen is in your life, mine, it's peace. And when I do that, I limit Christ. I limit the Christ that's already in the boat with me. I limit the Christ that's called me to go across the sea to somewhere new, somewhere wonderful, somewhere, somewhere impactful, somewhere meaningful, somewhere... That needs, that needs that uncontainable love of Christ.
can be small, that can be big, that can be something just like a conversation with a friend about something they did that upset me and I'm just going to ignore it. Or it could be something bigger, not wanting to go to this place or this type of calling, something that I feel like I need to do. Anything that I feel like is going to upset the norm and the peace and the comfort. When I say no to any of that because I want to be comfortable, that's a disservice to God, it's a disservice to myself, it's a disservice to all of the people that I interact with, it's a disservice to the world that we're called to love. We need to wake up the Jesus within us. The Jesus that is in the boat already. Because Jesus wasn't absent during this whole storm before they woke him up. Jesus was right there. Just napping. And they didn't let Jesus be Jesus. And in the same way, Jesus is in our boat. Jesus is with us. Jesus is already within us. And we need to let that live through us. We need to, we need to wake up Jesus within us. Because he's chilling, taking a nap, having a good time. And that uncontainable love that he offered the world, that's available to us. And we should take comfort in the fact that he's there with us during that call. But he's also saying, let us go across. Let us go across.